Welcome back. And in this episode of the Pearl Snap Tactical Podcast, Alex and I are going to dive deep into the critical world of everyday carry. That's EDC. That's right. For modern warriors in the urban environment, which most of us are in, equipping yourself with the right tools is the fundamental for preparedness and personal safety. So we're going to discuss some essential items and tactical gear that you might want to carry and make it a part of your person that are vital to navigating the challenges of city living and ensuring that you're ready for any situation that may arise. So join us as we explore what it takes to optimize your urban EDC and enhance your readiness in an ever-changing world. But before we do, a couple of housekeeping items. If you haven't already, and you're listening to us on Apple, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps us uh, get the word out there. Also, make sure you are subscribed to our newsletter at www.baritasdefense.com. I'll leave the link in the show notes. It's a free newsletter. It's chock full of information that will make you stronger, faster, and harder to kill. Who doesn't want that? And without further ado, let's get on with it. And we are back. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pearl Snap Tactical Podcast. Coming to you live south, or what do I always say? <laughs> From an undisclosed yeah. location south of the Mason-Dixon line. You know where we're at. Anyway, I'm your host, Mark, and I'm joined by Alex. Alex, I'm, I'm with you again. I didn't know whether you were going to introduce me or I was going to have to introduce myself. I don't know, myself. man. I, I don't know if you're worth introducing anymore. I don't I, know. I know. You always forget about me. <laughs> hey, man. What's been going on? Oh, not a whole lot. A lot of studying and... Uh, getting ready for those boards, stuff. dude. Yeah, getting ready yeah, for those yeah. boards. Uh, yeah, so uh, we you were not around last week. I threw one up. Uh, episode on courage that I did. Uh, I'm sure you've listened to it several times, but I think uh, you were sick. Yeah, I've been uh, fighting the old uh, chest cold. Yeah, upper respiratory stuff. It was pretty bad. Yeah, really bad, y'all. He had all kinds of like demons inside his lungs and stuff going crazy. So anyway, we're glad you're back. Looking forward to uh, hanging out with you. It was kind of weird. I told him like. Uh, when I was talking to him on the phone, it's like, he's the only dude I talk to like three times a week. I don't Actually, I don't talk to anybody on the phone three times a week. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't talk to you three times a week. I don't either. know. I don't talk to anybody like that. I don't know. So it was kind of weird when you were like uh, on your deathbed for that week. I was like, oh man, I don't know what it feels weird. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. Anyway. I, yeah, you must have missed me a little yeah, bit. I did. I did. Uh, anyway, looking forward to linking up and uh, hanging out, dude. So I'm glad glad you're on the men. So before we get into the topic for today, talking about urban EDC essentials, I kind of want to uh, talk a little bit about something cool that I did last weekend. So um, some of the stuff we do work with churches. Uh, with their security teams, training teams. And one, one component of that is qualifying their firearm or their security teams with their firearms. So last weekend, I ran a, a local group through here, and I recommend that folks do the FBI qual 
or the version of it that's floating, the latest version of it that's floating around on the internet. I like it. And I wanted to bring that up because I think as civilians, right, when you are out doing your training there, you should su- submit yourself to some kind of metric to measure your skills, right? Yeah, some kind some of standard. Yeah. Some standard, For sure. right? Cause we do it in the military, right? We, every weapon system that you are uh, assigned you have to qualify with police do it. Security teams do it. But I I don't know. I think how many of you out there like run some kind of test or run some type of standard to assess where your skills are. So a qualification course, whether you do the FBI qual or or pull up the standards for your local law enforcement, I mean, that's not going to make you a gunfighter, right? I mean, that's not the purpose of it. What do you think of that, Alex? I, I didn't catch that last part. You kind of broke up on my oh, end. Okay. Uh, I was just kind of talking about what, what's the purpose and function of even of qualification courses in the first place, in your opinion, what do you think about that and the value that they have uh, to, uh, to validate your skill yeah. set or uh, whatever, whatever you're testing. Um, like if you're doing a physical fitness test to see where you are physically, like you have to compare that to some metric and who do you compare it to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. So like if you're carrying a gun, uh, handle the gun like a professional, well, what are the professionals doing? Right. Like what are the, what are their times? How can you see where you stack up against those yeah. guys? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, yeah, it gives you a, some type, like we've said, a measure for your skill set. But now here's where I do find so what go ahead. What is the uh what what is the FBI qual? What does that consist well, of? Well I'm gonna talk about it here in a second. But um Oh well excuse yeah, me. I'm well, sorry. Yeah, get back in your corner, dude. All right. Oh, okay, I'll let you go <laughs> talk some more. Don't bump your gums more. <laughs> no so <laughs> one one thing though that I do find what the the trap door I think is some of these qualification courses is that you would think or it why it does give you a measure for your skill set the trap door gives you a false sense of security that you think you are then uh, the gunfighter right that it trains you for the gunfight and I don't think that's the case do you no. It, it's just a way to test yourself with a little bit of added stress, the stress of the timer, the stress of the course, the stress. Of yeah, that, so, that's what it's. I mean, anytime you can add stress is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, it is testing um, the skill, right? Your ability to handle this weapon, to deal with jams and valve functions as they came up, come up, to make accurate hits on time. But that does not train your tactical acumen, like your tactical decision-making, your ability to maneuver on a threat, your ability to um, to deal with multiple threats, primary and secondary, stuff like that, right? Right. It's just gauging your ability to shoot under yeah. stress. So anyway, I just throw that out because that is something that I do find with some of these security teams that are out there where they will train for the test and that's basically it. And they don't think about like the other things that are involved, like the tactical decision-making, how to move, how to move and link up with other team members in an active shooter situation. You know, those are the types of things that are going to increase your survivability that a qualification test doesn't matter or doesn't 
measure. So that's that's the whole point. You got anything else on that? No, that sounds pretty I know, good. I know. I don't even know why I have you here. All right, let's move on. I don't know. Let's move on. All right. So you you asked about the the things. I, I don't have the whole um I may include a link as far as the all the stage of, of fires because I don't have it off the top of my head. But the one thing I do like about it is that it measures, I in my opinion, every skill set that a concealed carry holder would need to have, meaning <clears throat> the course of fire begins at three yards and it moves all the way back to 25 yards or meters. And within those, e- each stage of the course of fire, you are tested on reflexive fire. Like everything's, every stage is timed. And when you're closer up, <coughs> excuse me, man, you don't have time to, to, uh, correctly line your sights up and everything it's reflexive fire right you're basically so close to the threat you're pointing and shooting and you're learning how to reflexive to do reflexive fire and then as you move farther back the time limits get more generous and because of the distance you're taking more aimed fire they have reloads they have one-handed shoots and then by the time you get to 25 you're behind a barricade and you're firing from the standing position and then popping down into a kneeling position. So I think, does that cover every single thing a civilian concealed carry holder may encounter? No, but I think, I think it gets it pretty good. Right. I mean. Yeah. So most of it's all static except for uh, moving in between positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. So I think those are, so the pros, let's, these are the pros and you've kind of identified by implication, like some of the cons, but like, like I said, I don't think it's the end all be all, but it does give a decent sampling of the distances and, uh, it does that you may encounter. It does give you a little transition from standing to kneeling. It does give like some reloads. Um, you'll, it, it's an implied task that you have to be able to handle jams and reloads or jams, malfunctions, stuff like that. So, although that's not tested, people do have jams and malfunctions. The clock continues on that course of fire. So you either, you got to fix it or you get penalized, right? So it's an implied task that you know how to do those things. Um, the one thing that I don't like about it is there's no moving, right? There's no maneuver uh, aspect that's tested other than transitioning from standing to kneeling. There's no multiple targets. Everything is on a single target. And th- those are just a few things. So, you know. It's also a 20 by 40 target, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, it's the QIT 99. It's that Coke bottle thing. So it kind of gets everything from the T-box to the uh, thoracic down into the the pelvis area, it's not it's okay. not quite. I, I was just wondering target size. Yeah, 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 it's not it's not quite twenty by forty. It's not like the full like a full IDPA. Not a full E type. No. Okay. So it, so I would say I think that you should <clears throat> go out there with your buddies and give that one a go. I've shot it before. And it is not difficult if you are 
doing the minimum. Like if you're doing dry fire on a regular basis and your weapon handling skills are on point and you could shoot, you're practicing your draw, just even a modicum of it, you should be able to do well on that course. The problem comes with people who, if you're not doing it, if you're just carrying it around and every once in a while, you know, once a month you go to dry fire and, you know, once a quarter you may shoot some some rounds. If that, yeah, you're going to have a hard time with it. You really are. You're going to struggle with it big time. Um, all right. Uh, anyway, give it a go. Maybe uh, next time you and I go out to the range together, we'll run it. I've got some extra QIT. It's pretty fun. Um, everything's done from concealment yeah. too, by the way. So. Oh, that's even better. I like running things yeah, for concealment. Right. All right. Depends how I carry concealed. No, you ought to. You oh, ought to carry that face concealed, dude. Oh, <laughs> come on. Man. Sorry. It's no. It's no fun if you don't play along. All right. <laughs> All right, man. Looks. All right, dude. You ready? Let's do it. Um, we're talking about introduction to urban. EDC. Alex, what does EDC mean? What does that acronym, POP test, what's that EDC? Oh, I think it's uh, every uh, every day carry, something you carry every day. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. You study for the test. Uh, EDC is everyday carry. That's kind of what we're talking about here. So, well, like, what's, it, what's your concept of this? Because I'm seeing all kinds of stuff on the internet. You know, it. I don't think it, it's not as popular as it used to be, but you remember everybody once a week would like do a quote unquote pocket dump on Instagram and they would arrange everything oh, yeah. like Legos, making it look really nice and pristine. And that was, that seemed like a, a really big deal, but uh, I mean, and everybody had different ideas, but like, what, what's that mean to you? Well, I mean, it's something you want to carry every day. And <clears throat> to me, it depends on, you know, what time of year it is, where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Do I know the place that uh, I'm going to? Um, will I be in a vehicle? Will it be someplace I can carry? Will it be someplace I'm not, uh, you can't carry? It's not allowed. So it kind of depends on all of those things. Like, I'm not necessarily going to carry a flashlight in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Like if I, I'm taking a quick trip, yeah. like so, or, you know, going to work, um, I'm not going to carry a, a flashlight during the daytime. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's just not going to happen. I got, I got space for other things. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I mean, one of the most important things to me is, um, you know, a tourniquet or a way to stop uh, bleeds. You know, mm-hmm. that's uh, uh, mine's centered around saving life. Yeah, yeah. So when when people are thinking about like what is the stuff that I should carry, obviously we're already talking about urban setting. So all our country boys out there, like y'all, that stuff that we carry when we're back home, you know, at grandpa's or whatever, back on the farm. Right. That that might be different. We're talking about urban city environments. So you're starting to think about what are the things that I use or really are going to need on a daily basis. That's where the concept of everyday carry comes from. Most likely need access to that are critical things. Right. So 
let's walk through them. And uh, we're not going to make, it's not rocket science, right? I mean, I think everybody, the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows we're going to end up talking about a gun, a knife, a flashlight, and a tourniquet. But we're going to try to add uh, a little bit of pro tips on there about what our favorites are and how we stage those. That That's kind of what I want to talk about, right? Yeah. So Sounds here's good. one that um, that nobody I don't I don't carry this right uh, in my civilian world, but I do carry it when I'm doing military stuff, and that is a multi tool tool like a Gerber or a Leatherman. Do you ever carry mm-hmm. that? Do you carry that on your on the daily? Now that you're a civilian, uh, yeah. If I have a backpack, uh, like. Normally, I carry a backpack. That's what I carry all my uh, all my tools mm-hmm. in. Uh, but yeah, there you know, are um, certain tools that I do carry quite a bit. One of them is a leather. Yeah. I have that with me pretty much all the time. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I, every once in a while, I'll see people like in their little pocket dumps. You'll see a multi tool there every once in a while. I don't carry one on the daily in my civilian world. I've never. I just don't, right? I'm not going to stick all that stuff in my pockets, especially in the summertime when I'm wearing shorts and uh, I'm not going to be weighing my stuff down and I don't carry a purse or a backpack or anything like that on the regular. If I did, I would probably throw one in there. But when I'm out with my unit or I'm doing military stuff or on active duty, I always have one, man, always. Even if we're not going to the field, dude, I don't know what it is, but I will find a regular reason when you're in the military for that stuff. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, they, they've got all kinds and, uh, they are great. Yeah. I mean, dude, even when you're in garrison, I would, I swear I'd use that thing to open up a candy bar or something. I mean, uh, it just, it was always there. So I want to say something really quick. So back in the day when I first came in, I remember I thought I bought my first Gerber in Germany and it was the um, so you had your your pick right either Gerber or Leatherman, and the Gerbers at the time had the like the wire the wire plier kind of heads you know they were kind of short mm-hmm. snub nose kind of mm-hmm. bulky and then the Leatherman had the needle nose kind of ones and I liked the Gerber because you could pull it out and kind of flick it out and the and the wire pliers came out. You know what I mean? Kind of like a, oh, you were one of those. Yeah, guys. To- I still am, man. Like whip it out and like boom, like it was some kind of baton, you know, collapsible baton. But the Leatherman, you had to unfold. And anyway, my preference now, and I think I, I think I have a Gerber that has a needle nose head, but I, I have found that the needle nose pliers are actually superior. I have found more more handy. Yeah, they're handier. So if I was gonna buy one. I would buy the one that has needle nose on it. Um, let's move on to other stuff, right? So let's talk about defensive weapons, right? You have lethal and non-lethal. Let's just... N- oh, wait, I wouldn't... Oh, shoot, go yet. ahead, go ahead. What you got? Yeah, so like if I'm carrying a backpack, I also got a pair of... Uh, wire cutters uh, or wire cutters. Ch- yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, wire mm-hmm. cutters. Um, and then... I've got a little, uh, a neat little ratcheting, uh, like three eighths inch. Uh, it's like a ratchet head. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that you can hook stuff in and it's like a wire plier kind of. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. So I use, uh, that to get into stuff. You can hit somebody in the head with that too. Got two heads and then all Mm -hmm. that stuff. So like I usually carry that. So I got a little, little tool set. Um, like I bike Mm -hmm. a bunch, so that's got all my bike tools on it. Uh, if chain flops off the bike or I have some issue where I need to, you know, raise the seat up Mm -hmm. or down, uh, like I usually carry that with me. It's very small, fits in my fits in my backpack. Um, all right, now now I'm done with the tools. <laughs> no, wait, but that's a good point. So you can kind of see that you're gonna. I mean, it, it's common sense, right? You're you're going to allocate what you carry based on what you're doing for the day. So it's funny that they call it everyday carry, but there's some things that may change based on what you're doing. So it may not be a true everyday carry. For instance, in the military, when I'm doing stuff out at the unit or down at the schoolhouse, um, I don't like this, but you can't carry a weapon on your person if you're not out in the field. Like if it's not assigned to you, you know what I mean? Like you can't bring your personal firearm and carry it. Do people do it? Yes, I know they do. Um, I don't do it. But. I know people habitual rule follower. Yeah, I, I am a I am a habitual rule follower up to a certain point. Now I am, but we're going to talk about what you do when you go to places where you can't carry the type of weaponry, defensive weaponry, weaponry that you want. I, that doesn't mean that I'm not unarmed. I have other things to me, and I have access to things that I need uh, if something were to happen. I mean, but our unit, right? It's on a military installation. It has, we have armed guards at the gates. Uh, we have, you know, that are screening people. So nobody from the outside is going to come in, but we do that have to worry about insider threats. So just like the Fort Hood shooting, and I think it was 2009, Nidal Hassan, right? He was a service member assigned to Fort Hood. Yeah, obviously, he can get in through the sentries at the gate because he's got an ID card that's going to let him in. So, that's the only threat. So it is mitigated somewhat, but let's move on to weaponry, right? So we talked about, we have lethal and non-lethal. Let's get the non-lethal out of the way. Uh, I don't carry a lot of these things, but I do know some people who do. What, uh, what are some, what are some non-lethal options that you've seen out there that, that, you know, people may carry? Hmm. Uh, Let's see. Uh, flashlight's a pretty good one. All right, I've got that. But, like I I've said, got that, that under a different category. What about uh, uh, what about pepper spray? Pepper yeah. spray? Uh, I, I don't. I don't it. either. But do you know anybody that does? No. I know a couple of females. It seems like the the ladies like pepper spray. Have you ever been blasted with yeah. it? Have you oh, ever been hell hit yeah. with it? Yeah, several times. I would yeah, say quite a, quite a bit. Yeah. That, that's why I don't carry. Yeah. It. I, I've, I've actually had like a, the wind blow it back into me when I was spraying it and mm-hmm. stuff or someone around me was spraying it when they were testing it out or training with it. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really like that stuff. I kind of treat that like NBC stuff or Seaburn. I don't like it. Yeah. So they, uh, I've been, I've been hit directly in the mm-hmm. face with it and, uh, it's not pleasant, but it's not horrible yeah. either. I yeah. didn't think. 
so I, I look, I look at like the pepper sprays and that kind of stuff. Uh, it's not one of the things I would recommend yeah. carrying. Um, I, yeah, but um, it is, it is out there. Yeah. Me. I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen it work both ways. I mean, I've seen it effective and then I've seen it not. Uh, I think it just kind of depends on who you're messing with. Uh, same thing about taser. Uh, I think there's some civilian things out there for tasers. Again, I don't carry those, but it's not the X twenty six. Don't get it. <laughs> and then um, I I do know I, I and one thing I would recommend like is a, a thing like a Kubaton or some type of handheld. It's like a small impact weapon. Uh, those yeah th- for sure. Uh, those those are pretty sweet. So I've seen uh, those, and then um, my better half carries this little. It's like a cat yep, head thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got the spikes mm-hmm. on it and it fits on her yeah. keychain. So she carries that all the time. Love. Yeah. That um, my girls have some of those things too. I think the key with that is if you have a significant other or somebody you care about, that's carrying those things is it's you, those things are not a magic talisman, right? It, it To be effective, you have to know how to use it to be effective with those things against a a larger attacker, you're going to have to injure the dude with it because people can fight through pain. They can't fight through injury. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, another thing with that is, is situational awareness Mm -hmm. and then prepping the battlefield. So like I said, that little cat head thing's got two little Mm -hmm. eyeballs in it that you stick your fingers through. If, you don't have your fingers in there. That thing's not going to do yeah, you any good. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh-huh. So you have to set the battlefield beforehand. That requires situational awareness of where you're at, and what's yeah. going on around yeah. you. So you have to do those two th- things and be ahead of the time curve before you can actually use those efficiently. Yeah. So it does take some wherewithal and a little bit of situational awareness for those to be uh, a defensive weapon before you walk out the store and go across the parking lot to your car, you're going to pull your key car keys out. Anyway, if those things are attached to your car keys, go ahead and have it in hand battle ready. Right. Is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. Finger through it all the way up on the knuckles. And then it's got a little deal that fits in the mm-hmm. palm that you have to yeah, grip. Yeah. So you have that. And right. then, like you said, the situational awareness, being aware in real time, of what's going on around you and understanding what the, what the nonverbal and verbal cues mean to get yourself, get your mind right and prepare, right? Distance creates time, time to react, make decisions. Um, I'll, and then I would just riff off of that and say with like either the Kubaton or whatever those cat head things are, right? What I said earlier, like people can fight through pain, but they can't fight through injury. So, you know, if you hit, if you have, a Kubaton, which is just basically a small stick, right, that you can hold in the palm of your hand, or sometimes they have a spiked end um, or your cat head thing or whatever. You can hit somebody in the stomach with it. You can hit someone in the neck with it or the face with it, and it's going to hurt, but it's not necessarily going to stop somebody. But you hit somebody in the eye with something or like a stainless steel pin, you, you gouge somebody in the eye with that, I don't care what they're on or how strong they are. When you can't see that, that makes it a problem 
to attack someone if you can't see it, right? Do you got anything on that? No, that's pretty self-explanatory. If you can't see, you can't really yeah. fight. All right. So, let, all right, let's move on to uh, to uh, lethal weaponry. And obviously, this all goes into, we're not making recommendations. We're not saying you should carry this. You have to be familiar with the laws of your states and in your jurisdiction. We're not giving legal advice. Consult with an attorney, all that stuff, right? No, and And if you do carry, you need to have proper training and understand the use of force. We're just all right. That that's a different right. One. So common yeah, sense. Yeah, common sense. Gotcha. All right. There's your disclaimer. You all right. So moving on to on to guns. So you've kind of changed some of yours up, haven't you? Like you used. I know you used to like a real uh, a smaller subcompact, but have you not to like give away your um, you know, all your secrets? I, but well, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. You can give it away. Yeah, you, you can give it away if you want to. Yeah, I, I don't care. They got to be better than me, and there ain't that many people out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, yeah, I carry a full size now, yeah. and uh, I have two separate uh, full size ones that I do carry, mm-hmm. and then like depending on what I'm wearing, like um, I carry a. Revolver, mm-hmm. uh, hammerless revolver. <clears throat> yeah. So. so, all right. Well, so let's back up a little bit. Let's take both of those. So you moved from, uh, from, you used to carry like, I think a subcompact Glock, didn't you? Like the 26. And now you moved right. to the 17. Right. 26. Right, so what? Uh, yeah. 17. And then I also carry a, a SIG P220. Okay. Well, why did you, why did you move to the, to the bigger size? Uh, because my hands are massive. Okay. And then I can also, uh, me being as large as I am and my frame, I can, uh, I can conceal a full size handgun in short. So I got, I carry a Glock 19. That's my carry go to. It's, it's a compact, but it's not a subcompact. So it's got, I've got big hands and stuff too. So it gives me plenty of room, but, I'll carry that one pretty much year round, but in the summertime, like wearing shorts and everything, I'm still kind of struggling with that. What, what kind of belt do you use to, that helps or what's your configuration to pull that off? Uh, I've got a clip that clips into the pants. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just have a way like a string or something to tie, tie your pants mm-hmm. up, like I wear it in athletic shorts, the athletic shorts have the strings uh, it's got the clips on there that grip really tight and I can conceal and, and carry a full size gun, um, with okay. that, like in athletic All right. Shorts. So we'll have to, we'll have to find out the name of those clips and I'll stick it in the show notes if anybody wants to look at them. So with those clips on your holster, do you have to change them off if you put it on a regular belt or can you leave it on there at all times? Uh, no. So I've got, I run two sets of clips. One of them's the, the ones that are made to use without a belt. And the other ones are just, uh, like plastic clips that go over the belt. So do you have two holsters then or? Yes. Okay. What kind of hole, uh, this is kind of getting a little head, but while we're on the guns, like what kind of holsters are you liking these days? Uh, so I like, for concealed carry, uh, T-Rex arms mm-hmm. holsters. Um, it's the sidecar. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times I won't run it with the actual like sidecar attachment mm-hmm. on it. 
because you can run it in appendix position and you can also run it at uh, three, four mm-hmm. o'clock. And uh, they both work pretty well mm-hmm. there and, and it's got good retention. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a couple of uh, like leather holsters, mm-hmm. uh, partial leather, partial. Uh, it's not Codex. It's like the stretchy elastic mm-hmm. material. And those can seal pretty good as well. But I, I just like the T-Rex arms holsters. Yeah. Personally. I've had, I, I like, I just now, because of you, I saw the one that you had. I got a T-Rex and I got to hand it. I mean, regardless of what you think about the guy, he makes good holsters. Yeah, they're fairly yeah. comfortable. There's uh, little things like uh, that you can do to improve the comfort of the holster. Because some, some of them get pretty like uncomfortable mm-hmm. especially uh but they make pads mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. put on the back and uh, those really do help i also like this is bravo concealment based out of texas i'd highly recommend somebody check them out they're a rep like they have good values good standards the ceo is like a solid dude their products are good and they're made in America. They're based in Texas. And I, I don't know. I just like what they're about. So I like that company. What Do you got anything else without beating the dead horse? No, not really. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't have a whole lot of holsters. I've been through quite a few of them and uh, I landed on the one I liked. And yeah, that's well, that's a me. great point. So, cause this is exactly what I was just going to say is if you're starting out one thing people are always like, oh, what kind of holster should I get? What, you know, what should I get? What are your recommendations? If you're just starting out carrying every day, number one, you need to invest in a good holster. Like that is as important. That's going to be pretty dang important. I, I mean, I hesitate to say it's as important as the gun, but I mean, they're, they're different sides of the same co- coin, right? You, you have to have a legit dependable holster that is comfortable because if it's not then you're not going to carry uh if you can't access your weapon you're not going to carry right um and then another thing with that too is uh if you're carrying like a striker fired or a mm-hmm. non-double action pistol like you want to be you want to have that weapon in yeah. a holster yep. like you don't want to carry it in your like in your pants, in your belt, like, yeah. Uh, like what, what do you call it? Style, um, where you just, yeah. 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 You don't want to do that. That's yeah. how you get shot. Um, I was going to also say like when you're first starting out, get your head wrapped around that you're going to have, you're going to buy different holsters. You're going to experiment. That's the only way, or, you know, short of having a buddy that's going to loan you one to try it out. You know, what, what you might, what I might like, Alex may not like, or why, what works for you may not be that great for me because we have different body types, um, different ways that we wear things. So, I mean, I've got a whole, my safe is full of all kinds of holsters, dude, that, you know, from when I started out, you know, right. And then I, mine's like the Frankenstein. So I, I cut mm-hmm. and mold and do all this stuff to them to try to yeah. get them to fit uh, how I want them to fit. And 
like I just like the ones yeah. that I don't have to work yeah, on. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Know? Hey, so uh, I wanted to move on to something else. So we talked about the kind of gun where we have now. Now you also managed, uh, mentioned that you carry a revolver, but like, what are the times that you would carry one versus your your full size Glock? If I'm running in a place real quick or whatever, it's something that I could just throw in my hoodie or whatever, and you can. Mm-hmm. It's a hammerless revolver, so you can yeah. shoot through clothing. Um, if I have a jacket on and I'm just running in some place real quick, I can throw it in my pocket. Um, like I said, it's got a 12 pound trigger pull. So like that's the safety and Mm -hmm. it's hammerless. So that's also a safety. So you can fire from inside of clothing. Like I said, stage the battlefield. You'll never see it. You'll never know until like the, the, um, yeah. Yeah. So like with the striker fire, right? A semi-auto, you try to shoot that thing through your clothes. I mean, that first round will probably go off, but then after that, you're kind of done. Yeah. One yeah, round dead man's done. It, and for those of you who don't know, the reason why is because inside your clothes, right? That, that batter, it has to go through all the cycles of function, right? So that slide has to come all the way back to eject that round out. And so when you've got your hands in your pocket, a, that it doesn't have freedom of movement for the slide to go by because the clothes, you know, could, could kind of uh, interfere with it. And then because it's inside the pocket, you can't, it may not have the clearance to eject the round, which could cause an, another type of malfunction. I mean, it just rife with problems. Right. So that's why, uh, yeah, that's why yeah. the hammerless is the way to go. If you want to do that. All right, let's move on. Um, so you, you've talked about flashlight earlier, right? Um, We've done an yep. episode on flashlight. We talked about you can go back on that one, low light encounters. We talked about the the um, pros and cons, handheld versus uh, mounted. Uh, but let's go ahead and just hit real quick the benefits of. I think even if you have a mounted light on your on your gun, you still need a handheld one, right? A handheld light. Well, what if your car breaks breaks down on the side of the road? You're gonna be pointing your gun exactly and looking in your engine bay or seeing why exactly I'm a hole right. In the tire. So think about what we said at the beginning: is your everyday carry are things that you're going to need access to, and it doesn't necessarily just mean for fighting people off of you, right? It's just the utility of it. There's all kinds of there's been all kinds of reasons why at night I've needed a light source, but I didn't. But I, I'm not in a position where I need to be pulling my weapon out and using the light on my gun to find something that dropped on the ground, you know, under the car, so, you know, or something like that, right? Right, so, right. Reason. And as we said in the other show, it, it's a impact weapon too. You can you can momentarily blind oh, yeah. somebody with it. It's not going to buy you a lot of time, but it's just like a, a split second to act. And then also it makes a heck of a impact weapon if you know how to use it properly. All right. Um, let's see. That's all I got on that. Hey, how about, uh, what do you think about comms? Is that something important for everyday carry communications? Uh, yeah. Cell, cell phone. phone. Everybody does yeah. that, right? Everybody pretty much has a cell phone. I kind of think of it as command control, like in, in total. So it's not just my ability to, speak through this apparatus and reach you on the other end. But I also think of communication in total, like letting somebody know where I'm going to be, how long I'm going to be gone. Um, 
who I'm going with. Like I tell my wife before I leave the door, uh, before I leave the house, oftentimes like, hey, I'm going to the range with Alex. After that, I'm going to run and hit the gym. And then I got to, I got to go buy staples to go get some flyers printed off for an upcoming course that I'm going to mail out. And then I'll be home roughly around such and such, right? Because if something were to happen to me, I would like her to have a timeline so that if it's been an hour and she can't get a hold of me, she knows who I was with, right? She could start, or if it's two hours or three hours, she could start. She has some place to start to try to track down where I'm at in case I'm in trouble and I need help or vice versa, right? So I do that. Mm -hmm. And really that is just a derivative of something we do in the military called a gotwa, right? In a sense, it's a, it's just a civilian adaptation of the gotwa and a gotwa is, you know, uh, army loves to shit out acronyms, right? So, uh, a gotwa is G O T W A. It means, and so we do those when we're on patrol and you roll into your patrol base, right? Then your leader's recon is going to kick out and go scan the objective, right? And so before you do that, you leave a gotwa with whoever's in charge. And the gotwa stands for what? Where are you going? Others you're taking with you. Uh, where? Uh, G-O-T. <laughs> Time you'll be gone. That's why we do acronyms, right? Uh, yeah. But time you'll be gone, uh, what to do if I take contact, what to do if you take contact, mm-hmm. that's four parts, and then uh, 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 actions on contact, yeah. And so I consider that part of the comms, right? Being in communication, kind of having a bead on where the other person is so that you can try to reestablish contact with them. Just something to think about. And then you mentioned uh, tourniquets, right, at a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Tourniquets at a minimum. I, I carry, mine's a little more robust, but, uh, I've had, uh, quite mm-hmm. a bit of medical training. Um, so like I usually carry, uh, stop the bleed kit, which would be a tourniquet Israeli trauma bandage, uh, combat quick clot or combat gauze, um, and then gauze, uh, MPA, uh, which is nasal mm-hmm. pharyngeal airway. Um, uh, um, I've got a CPR mask, uh, protective equipment, usually gloves, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, so is that on your person or is that in your little, uh, kitty bag that you carry? It depends. Um, I carry a tourniquet everywhere Mm -hmm. on me. Uh, uh, and a lot of times I open the tourniquet completely up and run Mm -hmm. it down my pant Mm -hmm. leg. Uh, so it's not taking up a whole lot of space. It's there if I need it. If I don't, I Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't even tell it's Mm -hmm. there. Um, so that's one way of carrying it. Otherwise you Mm -hmm. can stick it in your pocket. Uh, pretty good running on your belt. Uh, either one, I don't like a lot of things hanging off my belt because I don't Mm -hmm. like feeling like Batman, but, uh, you know, it gets a little crowded if you're carrying uh, a gun, uh, a uh, fixed blade and a turn. I, I carry, yeah, you know, I carry one too. I on even that. have one in my glove box, uh, in my truck. I just, I, I think you should stow them around, right? Yeah, uh, you carry one on your person, keep one in your glove box, and then I think the key is don't yeah. get. And we talked about this too in another podcast. 
don't get those little ten dollar Amazon deals that you get from China or something. No, don't trust your life to that. Um, I think the ones I get the cat tourniquets, like the legit ones from like North America Rescue or some other reputable source, is where I would get them. They're what like thirty bucks right now, somewhere around there. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a while since I bought one. Uh, the last, uh, let's see, mine's a soft tourniquet. Mm-hmm. SOF. Uh, I like it because um, the cat tourniquets have plastic windlass rods, which is the mm-hmm. spinning rod to tighten it. Um, I like the the soft tourniquets because they have a metal windlass. And you're not, mm, you're not mm. breaking that. Uh, I've seen the cats break. Well, uh, I mm-hmm. think they fixed it. Uh, so it needs to be yeah. past Gen 4 on the cats. But um, they are, yeah. uh, the cats are good. They're, they're good tourniquets. But I like the soft because it's got I'm the gonna check those metal out, windless man. rod. I'm, um, I'm going to check those out. I, I like the idea of the metal, the metal rod. I, um, yeah. Yeah. Just feel sturdier to me. Uh, I mean, those the, those polymers are uh, they're good, but um, when I was in the military and it's been ten years mm-hmm. ago, like I've yeah. seen them break. Hopefully, they have fixed that. I mean, those are still highly recommended. There's a lot of dudes, uh, EMS people. Oh yeah, they them. they have fixed it. They fixed it after 2013. So again, you can carry more than that. You, but those are at a minimum, some of the things and especially with knives. Oh shoot. We didn't talk about knives real quick. Let's hit that. Cause we're almost running out of time. So I think you should always, uh, carry knives, uh, if you can, right. Sometimes you travel, you get on an airplane and stuff like that. Probably not a good idea to carry a knife with you, but knives are a tool. You can use them for more than just self-defense, right? There's all kinds of reasons why you can use a knife as a catch-all multi-purpose tool. It does a lot of things for you. So you have two different options when it comes to that. Uh, I just posted on Facebook um, at the time of this recording a list of like some of the best tactical folders out there, some of the best names uh, that I have. I've used almost everything on that list. Uh, I like tactical folders, but I also have fixed blades too. And I would say from a self-defense, I don't care how good you are, a a fixed blade trumps a tactical folder every time. If you can, as far as ease of the draw and then the durability of it. What do you think about that? Yeah, Yeah, I can argue with that. I don't care how good you are, even if you have a thumb assist on the tactical folder and I carry folders all the time, but to try to get to it, even with that spring assisted and the little thumb, like the little uh, nut that's on the blade, if you have one of those assists still, you trying to fish around and grab that out of your pocket, even if it's clipped to you, you're not going to be as fast as you are with the fixed blade, but you should practice your draws, right? Whether you carry a tactical folder or fixed blade, you should practice those just like you do with your pistol, right? Yeah, some of those folders are pretty uh, mm-hmm. uh, pretty quick, especially the mm-hmm. ones that have the little hook on it. But uh, the thing I didn't like about the hook was uh, I had uh, I had one of those open up in my pants one time. Oh, and, hello! Uh, I had a blade sticking through. Uh, kind of deterred me from using that. It could be an yeah. operator error, but uh, yeah, I didn't like it. 
Yeah. Uh, so, so I stick to the fixed blade. That's a good point too, right? Because anytime you have a mechanical anything, there's always a chance, no matter how dependable it is, there's always a chance you could have a, a wardrobe malfunction, right? Yep. Um, all right. And then the other thing is with the fixed blade, it's going to be a full tang, which means that the handle and the blade, it's all one piece. And then they have the handle attached over it, like maybe through rivets or, or different types of things, right? But that's that's the other benefit of the fixed blade, right? I've seen um, tactical folders fail, right? Because it's not, the blade doesn't go into the handle. Right, uh, right. So it basically ends, that. that's how it can fold. So it's two pieces and the blade is attached to the handle and the handle doesn't have any part of it, the blade in it. So reinforcing it. So you have a weak point there right at the hinge where the blade attaches to the handle. So that could be a problem uh, as far as, you know, per- performance goes. So, all right. So we hit that. All right, man, we're about out of time. I'm just going to run through a quick uh, couple admin things here. Uh, appreciate everybody who supports the show. If you'd like to support it, there's all kinds of ways you can do. Hey, how about a five-star review on Apple? That helps big time. If you pop a comment or a review, that helps big time with the search results when people are looking for us. Share it with a buddy. If you like this podcast, share it with a buddy. Listen to it. Talk about it. Uh, use it as a springboard for discussion so that and then, you know, you guys can take it wherever you want and and, you know, and have conversation with it and <clears throat> develop your own protocols and stuff. And then lastly, if you would, we've got a little link. Buy me a coffee. You can drop us five bucks or whatever. It helps to offset the uh, the subscription uh, expenses with this. And also if you can't train with us in person, you can train with us online. We've got a course called high threat pistol tactics. You can find it online and we've got some other courses coming out. So stay tuned for those. Lastly, if you got any questions or topics you want us to cover, shoot us a email at w or at info at baritusdefense.com. I'll leave that link in the description in the show notes, but, uh, that's all I got. You got anything? Have a good week. All right, y'all. Well, hey, stay sharp. And on behalf of Mark and Alex, we are signing off telling you to stay safe, stay sharp, and keep it moving.